Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Howdy. Welcome to WikiShuffle episode 87. Chris, WikiShuffle, please tell us what that is. A WikiShuffle is when we go onto the internet's encyclopedia and press the random article button and we talk about whatever we find on its site. Well, I'm Jack. Phil, hello. say hello. Chris, say hello. Hello. There, formality's over with. Let's do it. Uh, stick around to the end of this episode and you can hear the story of my running battle with Papa John's Pizza. That'll be exciting for you. And their terrible, terrible, terrible customer service. What a tease. Yeah. What a tease. Now you've got to listen all the way to the end if you want to find out more. Or just skip. Just skip, yeah. No, don't. No, just skip. It's fine. <laughs> Sullivan, you don't get many Roy's anymore, no, do you? Not outside you soaps. You can't imagine that there's many babies born in 2016 that are going to be given the name Roy. It is short for something. Royston sometimes, Royston. Hmm. but I think quite often used on its own. But it'll come back. That's the thing about these names. It will, will it? do the rounds. It will come Roy. back. Yeah, in I our think lifetime. Roy's one now. I think Roy's one that's just dead. Like no. Keith. Some of them, they're going to get, Keith will come back, Nigel, there's going to be a bunch of Nigels in the future. There is not. Nigel will make a resurgence. No way. Roger, there'll be Rogers again in Rogers the future. Rogers I can see. You can see Roger. But uh, Nigel, Keith, and Gary, Roy, Brian. Roy, they're as good as dead. Yeah. Phil. Uh, mm. That's what people used to think about whatever name Chris, people are calling you know, kids now. To be honest, people, apparently when I was born, people were like, Jack, really? That's yeah, an old and, man's and name. And now, ten a penny. Ten a penny. Yeah, I, I mean, I started that movement. <laughs> well, the rest you. of them common as muck. Well, the Roy we're going to talk about is Roy Sullivan. Roy Sullivan. Roy Sullivan. Roy Sullivan. Mm. Roy Cleveland Sullivan, February the seventh, nineteen twelve to September twenty eighth, nineteen eighty three, was a United States Park Ranger in Shenandoah National Park in Virginia. Between nineteen forty two and nineteen seventy seven, Sullivan was hit by lightning on seven different occasions Whoa. and survived all of them. For that reason, he gained a nickname "Human Lightning Conductor" or "Human Lightning Rod." Snappy. Human Lightning Roy would have been, yeah. you know, a bit cleverer. Oh, nice. Sullivan is recognised by the Guinness Book of World Records as the person struck by lightning more recorded times than any other human being. Oh, that's unfortunate. Partly his fault for wandering around with that massive pole on his head mm-hmm. in the rain. But anybody here been struck by lightning? No. Nope. I've seen it. You've seen it? Like, You've seen I've lightning? Seen lightning yeah. Okay, that's not the anecdote I was really looking for. Oh. I can't imagine it getting struck by lightning. I can't see it, how, how it happens. So you, you, it's raining and there's a thunderstorm. Yeah. It's that type of lightning, fork lightning. And it, what, it just comes down and gets you. And then it's obviously not like cartoons where you go into skeletons, but you end up getting all smoky and <laughs> have a bit of fall down. That's right, isn't it? That's right, yeah, you have a bit of a fall down. So like getting, when you touch a car door, but like ten times ten? Probably more than ten. 
Have you ever, ever been electrocuted? I I have. I was working as a... Waitress uh, in a cocktail bar. P- yeah, pretty much. I was working as a plate washer in a pizza restaurant. I was working as a plate washer in a pizza restaurant. No, it doesn't work, does it? It doesn't scan. No, but well done for trying. Thanks. So I'd got the dishwasher thing that I used and I had a big chopping board, dropped the chopping board down the back of the washing machine with the dishwasher and on its way down unbeknownst to me it fell and it smashed open the power um, bit where the washing machine was that the washing machine was plugged into so I reached down and under to get this chopping board out of the way not realising that it smashed to smithereens the power to the thing and electrocuted myself and got thrown across the room sounds like an origin story (laughs) (laughs) dishwasher Chopping board, Clive. That, that's what happened. Why would I? Why would I take the name Clive? <laughs> Just felt right. What did, you, I, what did you say? I mean, what did you think immediately after? I mean, did it knock you out? Did you? It didn't knock me out, um, but it properly threw me back in a way that you wouldn't think. But I must have propelled myself to a certain extent mm. to get away from. It. I don't know how it worked, but I came to a good sort of foot away from where I was. There's smoke coming out of your bed. Smoking bed. <laughs> my hair completely grey. Um, and superpowers. Yeah, good. That's what I expect. Mm. I'm going to give you three guesses on how I was electrocuted. I'll give you a clue. It was in the kitchen. Toaster. Poking Sticking it. a knife in a toaster. <laughs> Sticking a fork in a toaster to try and get a tatty scone out that had fallen to the bottom. <laughs> the most Scottish way to get electrocuted ever. Um, and yeah, I didn't turn it off because I was like 10 and an idiot. And yeah, it threw me across the room as well. That's one of those ones where if you did that at that age, your parents wouldn't, if you were fine, you'd get a proper telling off for that. Yeah. That's like the stupidest thing you can do. Put a right. metal thing. No, I know, but we've all done it. But it's just an example of when your parents say, you're a friggin' idiot. And then that Did your parents ever on. say that to you, Phil? <laughs> did they not do your... just Chris's parents. Yeah, no, my parents loved me. Oh. Unconditionally. <laughs> Sullivan was born in Greene County, Virginia on February the 7th, 1912. He started working as a ranger in Shenandoah National Park in 1936. Sullivan was described as a brawny man with a broad, rugged face who resembled the actor Gene Hackman. He was avoided by people later in life because of their fear of being hit by lightning. And this saddened him. (laughs) Why didn't you want to hang out with him? It's fair though, isn't it? You would. You wouldn't stick around. On the morning of September 28th, 1983, Sullivan died at the age of 71 under mysterious circumstances from a gunshot wound to the head. Officially, he shot himself over an unrequited love lying in bed next to his wife, who was 30 years younger and allegedly did not notice his death for several hours. What? What? What a man. It got unrequited love at 71. And so he's lying next to his 41-year-old wife, shoots himself in the head. She sleeps through it and doesn't even notice for several hours. Hmm. That's that's more than a little fishy, isn't it? Hmm. So the seven strikes. The seven strikes and you're out. strikes of Roy. (laughs) Number one, the first documented lightning strike of Sullivan occurred in April 1942. He was hiding from a thunderstorm in a fire lookout tower. The tower was newly built and had no lightning rod at the time. It was hit seven or eight times. Inside the tower, fire was jumping all over the place. Sullivan ran out and just a few feet away received what he considered to be his worst lightning strike. It burnt a half-inch strip all along his right leg, hit his toe and left a hole in his shoe. Ouch. 
He was hit again in July 1969, and usually he was hit while in his truck driving on a mountain road. The metal body of a vehicle normally protects people in cases such as this by acting as a Faraday cage. The lightning first hit nearby trees and was deflected into the open window of the truck. <sighs> the strike knocked Sullivan unconscious and burnt off his eyebrows, eyelashes and most of his hair. The uncontrolled truck kept moving until it stopped near a cliff edge. <laughs> In 1970, Sullivan was struck while in his front yard. The lightning hit a nearby power transformer and from there jumped to his left shoulder, searing it. So it's not even just job-related, it's just the, the lightning follows him around. It, it feels like it does. In 1972, Sullivan was working inside a ranger station in Shenandoah National Park when another strike occurred. It set his hair on fire. He tried to smother the flames with his jacket. He then rushed to the restroom but couldn't fit under the water tap and so used a wet towel instead. Although he never was a fearful man, after the fourth strike he began to believe that some force was trying to destroy him and he acquired a fear of death. You would though, wouldn't you? You'd start to feel it like it's a little a bit little personal. Bit victimized, yeah. For months, whenever he was caught in a storm while driving his truck, he would pull over and lie down in the front seat until the storm passed. He also began to carry a can of water with him and believed that he would somehow attract lightning even if stood in a crowd of people. Hmm. Could there be a sciencey reason for this? Because it seems I like can't a, a bad see luck. why. Uh, no, there can't be. I think it's just coincidence. You could, there's no way that that's a one hell of a coincidence. Seven courage. He was in places that he was more likely to be struck. Mm. He's out and about in the wilds. Do people who have like metal plates in their heads are they? I mean, they must be more likely to be struck by lightning. I don't think it works that way. It might potentially do them a lot more damage if they were struck by lightning, but the way that it works, mm. if you're in an environment, the way to work out where we'll be struck by lightning is to imagine a, I think it's the circle of three metres diameter, and run it over the line of where you are, and wherever that circle would touch, that's where the lightning would go for. So if there's something close to you that's higher than you, then the lightning will take that part. Yeah, but if you're just in a you. field... If, if you're <clears> the thing that that three-metre circle would touch as it rolled over, then, yeah, you, you would be the conductor. Well, maybe you should have spoken to Roy, told him all this. Probably should. Understandably, in 1972, he's got a bit scared, and then it happens again in 1973. In 1973, on August the 7th, while he was out on patrol in the park, Sullivan saw a storm cloud forming and drove away quickly, but the cloud, he said later, seemed to be following him. <laughs> when he finally thought he had outrun it, he decided it was safe to leave his truck. Soon after, he was struck by a lightning bolt. Sullivan stated that he actually saw the bolt that hit him. The lightning set his hair on fire, moved down his left arm and left leg and knocked off his shoe. It then crossed over to his right leg just below the knee. Still conscious, Sullivan crawled to his truck and poured the can of water, which he always kept there, over his head. Do you think there's a chance he just made some of these up, though? There is a little part of me that says it happened once, maybe twice, maybe twice. and then after that... Yeah he realised that he was on to a, a good thing for getting some attention. One thing that seems missing from all of these stories is witnesses. Mm -hmm. Is that cynical to say? No, no people fair. lie, don't they? People lie. People lie all the time. The next strike on June the 5th, 1976, injured his ankle. It was reported that he saw a cloud, thought that it was following him, tried to run away, but was struck anyway. And then finally, number seven, on Saturday morning, June 25th, 1977, Sullivan was struck while fishing in a freshwater pool. The lightning hit the top of his head, singed his hair, travelled down and burnt his chest and stomach. 
Sullivan turned to his car when something unexpected occurred. A bear approached the pond and tried to steal the trout from his fishing line. Sullivan had the strength and courage to strike the bear with a tree branch. He claimed that this was the 22nd time he had hit a bear with a stick in his lifetime. Yeah, this guy is yeah. just talking shit, isn't he? There's, it's definitely making me start to feel that there's some bullshit going on here. 100%. All seven strikes were documented by the superintendent of Shenandoah National Park, R. Taylor Hoskins. Sullivan himself recalled that the first time he was struck by lightning was not in 1942, but much earlier. When he was a child, he was helping his father to cut wheat in a field when a thunderbolt struck the blade of his scythe without injuring him. But because he could not prove the fact later, he never claimed it. Sullivan's wife was also struck once when a storm suddenly arrived as she was hanging out clothes in their backyard. Her husband was helping her at the time, but escaped unharmed. No, don't believe a word of it. Yeah, I'm not buying it. The odds of being struck by lightning for a person over the period of 80 years have been roughly estimated at 1 in 10,000. These numbers do not quite apply to Sullivan, however, who, by the nature of his work, was more exposed to storms than the average person. Virginia, where he lived, averages 35 to 45 thunderstorm days per year, most of which fall in June, July and August. Between 1959 and 2000, lightning killed 58 people and injured at least 238 people in Virginia. But then why make it up? Did he make any money out of it? Well, that's not it, though, is it? That's not why people lie. They do it for the attention and for the story and for the... Yeah. This is a startling statistic. In the United States, 3,239 people were killed and 13,057 injured by lightning in the same period. So in the 41 years between 1959 and 2000, 3,239 people were killed by lightning. That's That's a lot. Crazy. Mostly males between 20 and 40 years old caught outdoors. I'm calling shenanigans on this one. Me too. Sorry, Roy. Cheek pouch. Like a hamster? Like a hamster. Yes, exactly like a hamster. Cheek pouches are pockets on both sides of the head of some mammals between the jaw and the cheek. They can be found on mammals including the platypus, some rodents and most monkeys. Mm. Mm. The cheek pouches of chipmunks can reach the size of their body when full. Storing food really quickly. Keep it in there for later. It's good. No, it's not gross. It's awesome. It's pretty cool. Nature's little satchel in your face. I mean, I use my beard for much the Mm. same purpose. You can get a lot of food in there. You do look like the type of person who would keep food in their beard. Yeah, rummage around, find some three-week-old popcorn clinging. Yeah, it would have to be like quite sticky food. So you get like an iron brew bar or a wham bar. Oh yeah, weave it around. Get get a ton of them. We need. You'd pull your hair out getting it. Need must. My my beard's quite straight. Uh, a friend friend of ours has got a very curly beard, um, not quite as long as mine, but he can get an awful lot of pencils to be held into his beard mm, at once. That's disgusting. Those little like IKEA pencils, he can get like forty in there, just held in place by the DIY. by the sprongyness of his beard. Ain't right, is it? <laughs> Cheek pouches are located in the thickness of the flange. I like these technical Mm. documents. I get to use words like flange. Cheek pouches are located in the thickness of the flange on both sides of the mouth of some mammals. Monkeys have open cheek pouches within the oral cavity, but they open out in some rodents of America. (laughs) There's a picture of a little chipmunk strutting. 
<laughs> his little pouch is full. That is yeah. quite cool. I like that. What would you store in your pouch if you had a pouch? What would I store? Mouth pouch. I had a mouth pouch. Grapes, Maltesers, one, one big orange. Ooh, a Terry's chocolate orange. Yeah, one big Terry's chocolate orange. And then that, that can be the main bit and then a lot of little things. And the other one, marbles. Doesn't have to be food. Marbles. <laughs> your keys. keys. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it. the wider yeah. implications. Yeah. My wallet. Yeah, because sometimes you go out with like a pair of shorts on and they won't have pockets. And you'd be like, oh, well, this is a nightmare. Stick it in my pouch. Put it yeah. in your pouch. If you've got to go to the, the cash point and you can fit it around your wallet, you just go, whoop, and spend it on your bank card. It's covered in saliva. No, you put it in a little washproof bag. Golf balls. Golf, Golf balls. balls is yeah. a great one. Mm-hmm. Catch up, nature. I'm, I'm down with this. Let's, um, can we get this done? I think it involves evolving like Pokemon. We're not there yet. Yeah. I'd rather an external pouch because you do have to worry about like saliva and stuff. Oh, like kangaroo. a pouch on like, maybe not on your belly. Something like, like where you know, pockets where your pockets are. Oh, like natural pockets. Yeah. Natural pockets. Would they be moist inside? No, they'd be dry. Furry. Furry, yeah. Furry pockets on your yeah. legs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's make Maybe it happen. Yeah. I reckon no, well, you could no, do we, that with Not surgery. without some kind of hideous Island of Dr. Moreau type surgery going on. Yeah, I want... It's not being... No, no, I'm saying that's a bad thing. <laughs> I want furry pockets on my, on my knees, big, big flipper feet, a tail with a spike on the end. Yeah, a big club tail. Um... And I don't want pouches on my cheek. I want to be able to spit venom and wings. <laughs> and an extra thumb. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I was with you until the extra thumb. Why? That's just not... outlandish. Is that one for gaming? <laughs> yeah, it can be. <laughs> okay. Any, any and another eye uh, on the back. An eye on the back. That's sensible. That is the most sensible of the things you've suggested. Although wings, they'd be handy. Get rid of nipples and replace them with trays. <laughs> trays yeah two trays two trays and one so big one I think one big one that folds out like a like a tray yeah it's like a trade one so you can pull it down yeah so you don't look ridiculous well, in your guess... t-shirts yeah <laughs> there you go I think they're going to have to do a major redesign of the t-shirt in general to accommodate you if that's what needs to be done it's definitely going to need visiting mm-hmm. what would you put on your tray just, just food and drink food and drink yeah no we don't want to marbles marbles my marbles are in one of my pouches okay yeah food and drink because it's, if you're walking about a meal on the go a meal on the mm. go you can sit down you can stand up you can walk around you can leave it for a bit maybe a little like moulded bit for a cup mm-hmm. you can put your laptop on there yeah You'd have to change the name of it. Tip nipple top. top. <laughs> Get your nipple Good top thinking. out. Good thinking. Are you? T- I mean, these are a lot of modifications you've got in mm-hmm. mind here, Chris. Are you at all worried that these might make you less attractive to women? No. I don't think there's anything that can make Chris less attractive <laughs> to women. Well, what woman wouldn't want my fairy pouch and tail? Women have already got their own fairy <laughs> pouches. Yeah, well, I've got two of them. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and a tray and a tail and a spit of venom. I'm not going to let you get away with using the phrase women have already got their own fairy pouches without criticism. Uh, Well, they have. They've all got them, Phil. You know that they're not for keeping things in. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you strike a terrifying vision there. 
Chris, of your, your evolved state. You're going to be on a Channel 5 documentary one day, aren't you? Because I've made it happen. <laughs> <laughs> like those people that have all the surgery and implants meant to look yeah. more like cats. And or I Kim had, Kardashian. Yeah. I won't go to America. And they just said, well, he's got the money, so... So I'm obviously rich at this point and I've invested all my money in a modification. It's the tree that, like the wings I can get. The tail. The, the tail doesn't the make fun. much sense. That's just fashion. That's <laughs> <laughs> just fashion. <laughs> Fair enough. So you go back to the mouth pouch, which does exist. If you like. They're referred to as diplostomes, which literally means two mouths. In some rodents, such as hamsters, the cheek pouches are remarkably developed. They form two bags ranging from the mouth to the front of the shoulders. Etienne Geoffrey Saint-Hilaire, that's a good name, Etienne Geoffrey Saint-Hilaire described that some bats of the genus Nycteris have an amazing form of cheek pouches as they have a narrow opening through which the bat can introduce air, closing the nasal canal through a special mechanism and pushing air under the skin so they expire in the tissue which unites the very loose skin to the underlying muscles. So there's basically just bats inflating themselves like balloons. Creepy. Oh, I do one of them as well. You want one of them? Yeah. What? What? It's just fashion so, again. Yeah, because well, obviously in my future we've all evolved that this is acceptable. If I see a gal I like, rather than doing all the tender stuff, I just go <laughs> and inflate my my neck. So your version of evolution is going back to the the ways of animal courtship. Yeah, because it's efficient, isn't it? It works. They, they're still doing it. <laughs> and your, your you, methods that's don't the work. Thing. <laughs> that's on you, mate. It's not on that's a human the human race. Rabbit, rabbits are all out all the time. If yeah. I had like... Yeah, but that's because rabbits are very balloon. indiscriminate. <laughs> big throat balloon that I could just go... <laughs> Basically, you're upset that women have evolved to the stage where they don't just shag indiscriminately. And they actually think about whether they want to have sex with you. Yeah, no, I'd rather just go back to when it was just displays. Or like when birds do that dance. <laughs> what was that? It's a bad oh, dance. Moments like these that I wish we were a video podcast. And they, you've seen that on nature. On nature. I've seen it on nature. And they get their tails and they make them like a little face and fan it around. And I the know women what you are mean. like, yes, mate. It just alarms me that you, you, you want to go back to that method. <laughs> Rather so, than the, the human methods of seduction, like, mm-hmm. like being nice. I'm nice. Looking and, good. <laughs> we weren't saying you're not nice. Just that, that it might be a more rewarding pursuit to get to know and to engage with the person that you're yeah, trying after, to. Yeah, after my throat display. After you've done that, so you've impressed them I think them it's going to be more difficult to engage with someone after you've mm. done your throat display because they'll be either running away... No, because they'll, 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 they'll be always... being sick. No, or so sexually aroused that the conversation's impossible. That's another option. Mm. The I... least likely of the options. I don't see it, Phil. No. It's a different future that I've painted. It's a terrifying future that is you've it? painted. Is it, though? Mm. Yes. <laughs> no, it is. It really is. It really is. Cheek pouches have several roles. They allow the rapid collection of food, but also serve as temporary storage and transport. In monkeys of the subfamily Cercopithecini, they allow for more pre-digested food. Cheek pouches contribute to the protection of animals by allowing them to carry their food in the pouches to shelter, allowing them to transport their food to safer locations. The females of some species of hamster are known to hide their young in their cheek pouches to carry them away when they fear danger. No, then, no, that's not true. I'm not having that, that's nonsense. Yeah, yeah. kangaroos do it. Just snuffle up. No, that's not a cheek pouch. But it's the same thing, it's isn't it? It's still a pouch. pouch. 
Yeah, but it's not inside your mouth. You know, oh, babies in you get. Cats do it. Not inside their mouth. They're just picking them up. Yeah, but they, they would. They would. Yeah, they would if they, they could. They yeah. had space. They had a little pouch. Pop a kitten in that. Cats have tiny mouths, don't they? So you can't fit one in. But hamsters. Hamsters have naturally evolved to the state which where all animals are headed, where they can fit their young inside their mouths. Mm. Baby in each cheek. I think that's perfectly well, logical. In if you go to Littlewood, Littlewood, what's the baby shop? Mother care. Mother care. <laughs> you can buy pouches for babies that are just man-made. Yeah, but they're oral. No, but they're still pouches. Are they suppositories? <laughs> <laughs> you just buy one of them, so you mm. can pop your baby in your pouch. So it feels like they, they, we want this to happen. Child care with Chris. I'm not saying that's what I do. I'm just saying that's what Mother Care wants us to do. <laughs> You'd make a great that's dad, their Chris. agenda. Thanks. I look kids, forward to it. jelly and ice cream. <laughs> Give them a Morrison's bag. Get, them out, get out of the bag, kiddos. <laughs> by the handful. <laughs> Just lobbing it at them. And they're all catching it with their five fingers and three thumbs. Oh, terrifying. Other species of hamster are known to fill their pouches with air, allowing them to float better while they swim. Makes sense. It does. Mm, that's really good. Buoyancy aid. Makes perfect sense. Nothing about this article is making me not want a, a mouth pouch. Mm-hmm. They just seem really handy. Well, be careful, because the cheek pouches can become infected as a result of an injury caused by a sharp object inserted into them or a fight. An abscess can form, which can be confused with protuberance from stored food. If the abscess bursts and the pus contained therein is absorbed by the animal, Ooh. it can be a victim of sepsis and die of the poisonous toxin. Cheek pouches can also turn outwards. It's like when you take your pockets. Just undo your pockets. Don't don't inside out your face. The cheek pouches of hamsters have been studied in laboratories to understand vascular membranes and healing better. They are also useful for the study of the immune system, notably in the development of abscesses or tumours. Interesting. Now, there's some very cute pictures. There's one of a little golden hamster filling his cheek pouches with greenery. Nice. There's a chipmunk, an adorable chipmunk with pouches full of nuts. And then there's the etched out cheek pouches of a European hamster, which is basically somebody has taken a dead hamster, pouches full of what looks like grain or something, and then just stripped back all of the flesh that surrounds it. It does look like sugar puffs, doesn't it? Where was this one? The third picture. Oh, at the top. Oh, that's not nice, is it? That's not nice at all. Uh, that is sugar puffs. It is, isn't it? So you can see what the pouches look like. I mean, they're big, they're impressive, but they're also gross. And then there's some other very cute pictures of a chipmunk, a chipmunk putting a whole peanut with shell and everything into its stupid cheek pouch. I'm looking forward to your new podcast, Phil describes pictures of animals from the internet (laughs) it's just a matter of time it's just a matter of time talking of which now that we've talked about pouches how is goodnight gary cast coming along oh it's bloody close you know it's very close not far away at all it will be launching on monday the 29th of august and for the uninitiated what is this this is a podcast where chris and i yep you're not invited nope Chris and I will be running you through every episode of 1990s sitcom Goodnight Sweetheart, an episode at a time, for mm-hmm. 58 weeks. <laughs> Trials and tribulations of Gary Sparrow. 
Is that his actual name? Sparrow? Gary Sparrow. I've never known anyone to be called Sparrow. Something for you to look forward to. Yeah. So it's very exciting. You can follow us. We've got a Facebook account now and a Twitter account. The Twitter account is at GNSCast. And if you look up Goodnight Sweetcast on Facebook, you'll find us there as well. We're going to be combining the website with the Wikishuffle website, but you can also get there by going to goodnightsweetcast.com. What made you decide on Goodnight Sweetcast over Chris's suggestion of the, of the Goodnight Gary cast? Well, the problem with the Goodnight Gary cast is that it doesn't make sense, <laughs> was the principal problem. But other than that, <laughs> but it's got it charm, was a close-run thing. It has got Good some... Good Night Gary cast. Like, yeah. like so many of the things that Chris says that make no sense, it did have charm. Good Night Sweet cast is good, though. It, it, it flows a little nicer. It's so right. it's coming along. Look forward to that. Mm-hmm. August 29th, the first three episodes will be going up. Whoa, at once? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, get ready. It's a jamboree. Get ready. Um, we are trying hard to look and see if we can arrange to get guests on from the show as well, which could be You need to reach something. out to Richard Herring and see if we can get him on, because he loves Goodnight Sweetheart. So that was episode 87 of Wiki Shuffle. We'll be back again next week with episode 88. We will. I imagine that by that time, Chris will be some kind of hideous grotesque with implanted... Mm. Just, I think well, you're well do, on his way. I think you're going to do a very poor version. You're going to want to do all the things that you suggested there, yeah. but in actual fact, all you're going to have done is sort of sellotape a Swiss Army well, knife onto <clears> your hand or something. I'll start off with the easy bits, so I probably would have sewn some fairy pouches onto my leg and I'll get <laughs> infected and Die. I'll pass out here. Oh... <laughs> uh, and you'll have, they won't be very symmetrical, so one will be higher than the other, <laughs> yeah. and the stitch work will be very poor. Mm. But I'll be persevering, and my keys yeah. will be there, but I'll be in a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah, and the wings are way too small, and you're just kind of drooping. Yeah. Uh, it's not nice, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Good. We'll, we will post pictures on the internet of Chris's mm. wo- self-inflicted oh, wounds. Oh, for, for this is completely separate, but um, have you seen that picture of that Lego man? It was a man. Yes. It's gross. Yeah, it's pretty gross. He's got, he's got thumbs for fingers. The Lego man that's a man. Yeah, he's, like, he's a man that dressed up as a Lego man. But flesh-coloured. With thumbs for hands. It's creepy. Can you show me? Find it. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> I hear that a lot. <laughs> There's a Lego man. Imagine a Lego head. Nonsense millennial speak going on here that I can't decipher. Imagine a Lego man. Yeah, but imagine it as a human. It's a human skin, but they're they're using the same facial proportions as a Lego man. It doesn't sound nice. No, it's terrifying. Ah, ah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Okay, if we're going to stop this nonsense for one minute, because there's something very important that we have to discuss that was teased at the beginning of the episode, and I know everyone has been waiting oh, yeah. on tenterhooks. Phil, please tell us about your beef with Papa John's. Oh, Papa John's. Papa John's Pizza Company. <laughs> Get ready for both barrels. <laughs> Shit. I bought a pizza the other week. Can yeah. we just... Just before you launch into this, I just want to say that Papa John's is... Obviously the most friendly of the major pizza chains. It's interesting, actually, from conversations on the internet, when I posted about uh, Papa John's, Papa John's in America has a reputation of being the scuzziest of all the pizza chains. Really? And yet in the UK, it is considered the classiest and most expensive of the high street pizza Mm. chains. I think that's fair to say, isn't it? But in America, it's considered really scuzzy and and not nice at all. But we've got um, Domino's for that. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm never going to be able to eat pizza ever again for fear of it just containing 93% flob. Uh, <laughs> so I bought a pizza the other night. I bought it from Papa John's, and their website's terrible. And mm. it basically, it reset my entire order as I was doing it. So as I checked, it went to check out, it reset from a big pizza to a little pizza. And so I spotted that and I went in again and changed it back again to the big pizza that I wanted. And then I didn't notice that it reset my address. So instead of trying to get it delivered to WikiShuffle HQ, which is where I'd ordered it, because I was editing the podcast at the time, they tried to send it to my home address. And needless to say, I wasn't there because I was here which was annoying. So I had to wait. So I phoned up the store and got them to come and deliver it to the right place, but it was still the same pizza. So when it finally arrived, because he'd got other deliveries to make, so this was well over an hour after I'd ordered it, it arrived and it was pretty cold, but just about edible. But then on the pizza, what had happened is it's got herbs on top. Mm -hmm. And what had clearly happened is when they were putting the herbs on the top of the pizza, the lid fell off the herb shaker. So it was basically, one half of the pizza was just covered with dried herbs, just like an inch thick of just dust. It was just a dusty, just a dusty pizza. It was completely inedible. Uh, not a dusty pizza. It was a dust pizza. I, they, they delivered me a dust pizza. And that, that's not, I didn't want a dust pizza. I wanted a mushroom pizza. Not a dust pizza. Nobody wants a dust. No one's ever said, could you get my pizza and just empty one half of it just with herbs? That's the only coating that I want. And a ratio of sort of five to one to the cheese. That's what I want from yeah. my pizza. No one's ever said that. Mm. And anybody who did that accidentally while they were making a pizza would have no choice but to think, I probably shouldn't deliver this pizza because what I've done is made it inedible. They'd probably think... I best make another one, or at least try and brush off some of the dust. Chris, no, have you no ever seen Phil this animated before? Mm. He's scaring me a little bit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if the listeners. This has been to... ongoing. This has been a while now. Oh, well, it has because I complained pretty much instantly. I wrote a, a, an email to Papa John saying, "Look, this has happened." Did you address it to John himself? I, d I didn't. Maybe I should. That's mm. my next step. Does he exists. I'm sure he does. Well, I'm, I'm not sure he does because advertisers no, lie all the does. time. But John does yeah, exist, yep. so maybe I ought to get in touch with John, reach mm. out to him. So I, I sent them an email saying, oh, this isn't really, I'm waiting more than an hour, okay, uh, I can understand how it's happened, your website's still shit, but it happens, fair enough. But then to get an inedible pizza, kind of not okay. So they got back to me, asked me to send them a picture. I did, I took a photo, I'd, I'd kept the pizza, which in itself, the fact that they were effectively calling me a liar was a bit cheeky, but I took the picture, sent it back to them. 12 days have now passed with no correspondence back the whatsoever. The photo of the pizza... That's like, I ordered a pizza. Here's a photo of a pizza that I ordered. But they already have proof of that on the website, surely. Yes. So I'd have thought the only proof that they would want is whether the pizza was cold when you got it or not. And you can't really provide proof of that. Just No, but you can, I can show them that it's covered in herbs, covered in dust. It was a dust pizza. Oh, right. It was the dust bit. Okay. It was the dust pizza that they wanted the evidence of because they weren't willing to take my word for it. Although I could have just dumped in my own dust on it. I didn't do that, though, Papa John's. This was genuine. <laughs> you did this to my pizza, this dust pizza. And there were no mushrooms on it. Have I mentioned the fact that I'd ordered mushrooms and there was Disaster. no mushrooms on Please it? Please never empty your dust onto anything, Phil. <laughs> no one wants to see that. We're on day day 12 of Pizzagate now. Uh, no response from Papa John's. I'm not happy. You know, I'd love to say that I'm now boycotting Papa John's, but let's be realistic. Probably going to get more from them maybe tonight. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, Papa you not John's. Eat, you wouldn't eat Domino's out. then? Papa John's, they do this nice pizza called the Greek, which has got these little peppers on it and, and feta cheese, and it's good normally 
Mm, that just makes me think of the Greek from The Wire. He was a baddie. Mm. Don't like it. So what yeah, about Pizza Hut. What's wrong with Pizza Hut? There's nothing wrong with Pizza Hut. Oh, that's going to have to be my option now, mm. since Papa John's parting of the ways with me and Papa John's. Well, it was a fascinating story. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and it's really worth waiting for. Anybody oh. that got the teaser at the beginning, we pleased that they waited all this time to hear the Papa John pizza story. They'll be thrilled. They'll... I'll stick a pizza. I'll stick a picture of the pizza on the website so you can see how Please herby do. it was. Please do. It's covered in herbs. It was just dust pizza. <laughs> Nobody wants a dust pizza. It's probably enough about that now, <sighs> isn't it? Yeah. Everyone's looking tired. See you again next week, and I'll let you know if there's been any development in the world of Ooh, my Papa John's That is battle. exciting. Mm. Yep, we'll see you again next week for episode 88. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, two fat ladies. See you then. Bye. Bye. On the sixth day, God created man. On the seventh day... He rested. And on the eighth day, in the year 2010, in a remote laboratory, an exiled scientist created something impossible. Unmistakably human. Undeniably animal. On the island of Dr. Moreau. I'd like to present my children. Father? Oh my God. From director John Frankenheimer, H.G. Wells' most terrifying creations about the line that separates man from Beast and the notorious doctor who dared to cross it. We are men because the Father has made us men. Marlon Brando, Val Kilmer, David Thewlis, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Directed by John Frankenheimer. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.